for this next period. So I, I just pray, Lord, that you would feed your sheep while I just talk. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Are we up, Scott? Do you want to get, am I looking beautiful on there? The camera always lies, if so. I was talking to my grandson, Eddie. He's gone there, so, um, last Sunday, and we were sort of messing about a little bit, but I was saying to him, you know, God knows how many hairs are on your head. And then sometimes, by my humor, I say things to them I don't think they'll quite understand. So I said, Eddie, do you know that you're the apple of God's eye? He said, Granddad, you're the banana of God's eye. <laughs> and I can take that. I can take that. I am the banana of God's eye. You know, and sometimes, I was thinking earlier, you know, if you go into Aldi or some of these other shops, they sell wonky fruit, don't they? <laughs> Maybe we are a bit wonky sometimes, but we still taste the same. Yeah. We still taste good. So you might look a bit wonky. You might be in the bag of wonky vegetables. But if the Spirit of God is inside you, you'll taste good. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. I was reminded, uh, as I've been preparing, I was looking for a, a character to base my preaching, just to kind of give us a bit of a thing, and Oliver's given me suggestions. Have you noticed when people give you suggestions, they never, she said, have an Abraham, and I go, mm, not in an Abraham kind of mood, and then, then you said, someone else, David, they, mm, no, not really, not really feeling David, so, I was thinking of Caleb, now I know I've spoken on Caleb, and you'll have all these words that we spoke, Oliver and I, during lockdown on one of our preachers, you'll have all those words in your mind, so I won't linger too long on it. But if you're like me, you forget what you did yesterday, let alone what someone said two years ago. But if you remember Caleb, he was one of the spies um, in the times when the uh, Israelites were coming out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and they were going into the Promised Land. God said to uh, Moses, send some spies out to, to, um, to spy the land that I'm giving you. That was a key. Spy the land that I'm giving you. And so off they went. It was Caleb and Joshua, and then the heads of some of the other tribes as well. So Caleb was Judah, wasn't he? I can't remember what Joshua was. But there's the, the names, they're all there. You can probably got them in your memories from, from when you learnt it. But um, they went out and they looked around and they found these and beautiful grapes. It said they carried a bunch of grapes back and it was, they had to have it on a pole between two of them. So it was a pretty... You know, we don't bring our grapes back from Aldi on a big pole like this because they're too heavy for one of us to carry. You know, we put in with the rest of the fruit. So it must have been pretty, pretty amazing. So the report came back. It's a good land. It flows with milk and honey. I never did quite understand that. You know, it sounds very sticky, doesn't it? Flow with milk and honey. But I'm sure it meant abundance and it was good. And, you know, so that's where they've been going for all along throughout the Old Testament. They've been going to this land. Flowing with milk and honey, that's what they've been promised. But the people are strong, the cities are fortified, and they're very large. And the descendants of Anak are there. So it's not going to happen. All got a bit kind of, you know, it's not going to happen, a bit downbeat. But it says Caleb quieted the people and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the congregation was spooked, if I can use such a word in church, the congregation was spooked, they, they didn't want
want to go in. And as a result, the whole congregation had to go back into the wilderness until all the people, are over, all the men over 20 years of age, died out. It was 40 years. And the people, the 10 spies that were brought back a bad report, died of plague straight away. And it was a real, well, what, what they tried to do first, they tried to, they realized they'd blown it, so they tried to go in the land, um, you know, but God hadn't said to do that. And they got basically routed, defeated. And so they went back into the wilderness with a tail between the legs. Um, and I just wonder what it would have been like to be Caleb or Joshua. They were going to have to spend the next 40 years going around the wilderness, going around the mountain with a bunch of complaining moaners. That's enough to do your head in, isn't it? Wouldn't like that, would we, Connie? Going around the mountain with complaining moaners every day for 40 years. I'm trying to think, 40 years, we just, it flows off our tongue, doesn't it? 40 years. I'm trying to think, 40 years ago, I'd only just met this lovely young lady 40 years ago when I moved to Norwich. And I just wonder what some of you were doing. That's a long time, isn't it? That's pre-history almost 40 years. There's a long time to be going around. You'd have thought he'd be pretty worn out because when he went into the land, he must have been about, sorry, when he went spying, he must have been about 35, 40, I think, if you do the, if you do the maths. But eventually, all that generation die out, a new generation comes, uh, and they start to go back into the land through Joshua, is going to take them in. And they go in and we see that they're taking Jericho and, and they're beginning to take, you know, through the story of, of Joshua. You probably know some of that story. And it comes to the place where Caleb comes up to Joshua one day. And he says, basically, 45 years ago, because it'd take them five years to go, so 40 years plus five years to go. 45 years ago, God promised me this land. I'm still as strong and able and ready. Give me this mountain. Yeah? And it says, uh, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. You heard Anakim, the Anakim were there. You know, there's a Star Wars joke there, but I'm not going to do it. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And the rest is history. That's what he did. He took the land, the, Ju the Judah, how do you say, the Judas, Judah, tribe of Judah, that's the easier way to say it. Went into the land and they took the land. So we see a real faith and perseverance in Caleb. He still believed what God had said to him, said to him 40 years, 45 years before. He hadn't let all the getting up every morning and going around the wilderness, what's for breakfast, again, oh, it's manna. Um, what are we doing going around the wilderness? What's the weather like hot and sandy? You know, for 40 years, that's a long time with a load of moaning complaints. He hung on to the word. There's a stickability of tenacious faith. He inherited the promise through faith and patience. That's a, a, a verse in Hebrews, isn't it? Hebrews 6, verse 12. He didn't give up. He didn't lose heart. He remembered what God had said and he believed it. And he received it. It's pretty amazing, Caleb, isn't it? And I, I've prayed myself, Lord, give me a Caleb spirit. Actually, I, we all have a Caleb spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. We have him. He's there to make us like that if we prepare to be like that. So let's be those kind of people. But I just tell you that as like a background 
to my preach. I'm going to tell you three stories, or two parables and one happening. So today in my preach you'll get four stories, so that's good for your money, isn't it? Yeah, that's a lot of, lot of stories for your money this morning. Um, but I want to start in Luke 18. I'm going to read some of them. Luke 18, 1 to 6. and stop going to do it. This is Jesus, 18.1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. If you're wise, just lodge that verse because that's, if I had a text, that would be my text. Okay? Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God, nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what this unrighteous judge unjust judge said and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth I'm just going to pick bits out of this because when you read the commentary it says the Greek in that is quite difficult so I'm going to leave that alone Leave that for Sarah and Mark, the clever ones. Okay, I'll just pick some other bits. Alright, so, is that okay? So, what have we got here? Jesus is telling this story. Why is he telling the story? That men ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, that's why, he's, so that, bear that in mind. The lady kept coming. There was a continual coming. He tells us that later in the... She kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And the judge said, um, I need to do something unless you weary me. It means there, give me a black eye. That's kind of like, she hit me under the eye. She's going to hit me under the eye if I keep coming. You're going to give me a black eye. She's going to wear me down. So she, kept, she keeps coming. She keeps coming. One of the things about the Jews is that they believed that you only prayed three times a day. Like Daniel. You remember Daniel? You prayed three times. Any more than that is going to weary God. Okay, if you go and pray more than three times a day, you're going to worry about God. That's what they believed. But this parable doesn't seem to be saying that. This is Jesus' true theology. Remember that we said that a lot in, in faith life, didn't we? If you want to know what God is like and want to know good theology, look at Jesus. So this is Jesus talking in most of these. So we're getting good theology from Jesus. He's saying um, that, and the way it works is this, and I'll read the verse like this later on. It's, it's, he's not saying that God is like that judge, wicked and stuff. He's saying, if he's like that, how much more will your father? Okay? And I want to read it in the Amplified. Um, and this is verse um, 6. The Amplified says, Will not our just God defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay 
in providing justice on their behalf. I tell you, he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? Not just looking for faith, he's looking for persistent faith on the earth. The point of the parable, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He commends persistent faith, continual coming. How much do you want what you're asking for? And if you don't really want something, if you don't really, you'll just ask once, Mum, can I have uh, a pizza? No, I don't really want pizza, so I won't ask again. But if you really want something, you keep coming, don't you? You've had children, a lot of you have had children, you know that they keep coming, don't they, and keep asking. How much do you want what you're asking for? You'll come again and again. Now, it's not vain repetition. It's not just words, okay? Jesus says that in um, Matthew 6, 7. Don't be like the heathen who think that through their many words, heaping up, rep uh, heaping up repetition. It's interesting, I've been reading a book, and it's talking about... Oh, it's called Dirty Glory. I'm going to talk about it a bit since. And it's interesting. He's making the point that in any of these things that we do, like prayer, evangelism, in themselves, they're not anything. It's because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we pray and things happen. Prayer in itself is, is, is nothing. If you, if you don't believe me, look at when Elijah was on top of the mountain. You know, he had all those prophets of Baal praying, they were cutting themselves, doing all kinds of prophetic praying, blah, blah, blah. Nothing happened. But it was praying to the God who answers prayer that made prayer effective. So prayer itself, it, it needs to be to Jesus. And he was saying about, saying about evangelism, he said, I don't like evangelism. This is what the guy was saying. And my friends don't like evangelism. And a lot of non-Christians don't like evangelism. But I love Jesus and I love talking about him. And people love hearing about him. Yes, did you see the point I'm making? It's because of Jesus that we pray. It's, and, so, and so we don't heap up empty words. We don't just think, okay, well, if I do 24 hours of prayer, um, things are going to happen because that's a lot of prayer. But it's got to have that element of faith in it. So it's faith based on his word, based on his promises. We need to find out what he's saying. And pray that, don't we? Not just thinking, oh, I'll find a good old promise in the Bible and pray it. We need to have a sense that the Spirit is saying it. This is another quote from Pete Gregg in Dirty Glory. It says, whenever prayer is reduced to a clumsy technique for getting God to mutter a reluctant amen to our selfish desires, it is merely wishful thinking in a religious disguise. But when prayer is an amen to God's desires, it is profoundly Christian and powerful beyond measure. As Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, John 14, 13. So there's a real sense that it's, it's, it's to him it's with faith. And faith only comes by hearing him what he's saying, doesn't it? It's finding what he's saying and praying that it will be faith and it will happen. It's listening to the Father speaking to us about the issue we're praying about and then agreeing and praying and declaring his will in the name of Jesus. It's his will, isn't it? And that's what we need to find out in our praying. Hopefully it's about praying and it's listening. Lord, what are you saying? I want to pray about this. 
what are you saying about this? What do you want to do in this situation? And it's not always as easy as that. Sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? But it's having a sense of this is what God wants to do. Therefore, I can be full of faith and I can stand strong in what God wants to do because if I do, I know it will come about. As Oliver was saying earlier about the promises. The promises, if we believe them, if they've been, you know, if, we, if they've been revelation to us, we believe them, they will come about. Um, Carl Barth says that we actually participate in the reign of Christ through prayer. We participate in the reign of Christ through prayer. Okay, I was a little bit off piece. I hope that was all right. I've got it written down, right, so it's not really off piece. Luke 11. I was talking to a, a pastor, I think he's a, I don't know whether Seventh-day Adventist pastor or just a church that meets on um, a Saturday, yesterday, on the, on the street. And I said, his pastor, I said, are you preaching? He said, yeah, he's preaching. What are you preaching on? He said, Luke 11, verse 1. I said, whoa, I'm preaching on Luke 11 tomorrow as well. So that's really good. So on prayer, so that was a bit of a thing. So Luke 11, one starts with the disciples asking how to pray. And, and Jesus teaches them what we call the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Okay, And then it comes on to this, Luke 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to see me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. So he's gone to his friend and said, I need some bread, because my friends come to see me. He said, on your bike nearly, we're in bed, we're not getting up to open the door. I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Because of his persistence, we've seen a little thread going along here. And that word persistence is a nice little word, isn't it? We all know what it means. Do we know what persistent means? I can't tell you what the Greek word is, but it means without regard to time, place, or person. Okay? So this friend is going to ask without regard to what time it is, what place it's in, or who, there's a, who the person is asking. He's just going to ask. He's not going to think, oh, you know, it's a bit late, or, you know, I'm going to wake the neighbours. Or, you know, so, so you're just going to knock the door and ask. It means impudence, importunity. An importunity, it means persistence, but it says especially to the point of annoyance. Cocky boldness. And I've thought barefaced cheek. Do you say that word around you? Barefaced cheek. That's not very Christian, is it? To have bare-faced cheek, to be cocky, to impudent, to just uh, be asking. But that's what Jesus wants us to be like. That's what Jesus is saying, isn't it, here? He's saying he won't. He won't give him because uh, he's his friend. So if I go around to um, Bob's house, knocking on his door, saying, Bob, I need to borrow a fiver because, um, he's, you know, he won't give it me because I'm his friend, but he'll give it to me because I keep knocking, 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 and I think, neck and neck. 
which just go, <laughs> go away. So cheeky. Why does he just go away? It's that kind of thing. So there's something about that that we need to have in prayer. Yeah? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's saying we need to be impudent. We need to be persistent. We need to be a pain to the Father. Don't give up asking and praying. Get the feel that there's a bit more to prayer than we've perhaps thought. You know, a little, you know, and I've been there, you know, prayer is just talking to Jesus. But there's more to it than that. He wants more than that. He wants things done in the kingdom. And we want things done in the kingdom. And he's saying we need to have a persistence. Faith, yes, but persistence. A, 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 a willingness to go beyond what seems to be the norm. Just have our little quiet prayer meeting where we just pray quietly. There's something about we need to kind of maybe shout or maybe stamp or maybe, you know, say Lord or whatever. And not as empty gestures, but as portraying something. You know, we, it's not empty gestures. There's that famous story of the preacher, you know, who written in his notes, argument weak, shout louder. Okay, we're not shouting louder because our argument with God is weak. We're just, we're expressing that faith, that desire to see things change, see things happen. Okay, um, so, Matthew 15. So those are two parables. Matthew 15 is, is a, an actual happening. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He's basically gone on a little holiday because he's gone away from the Jews. He's going to have a little break, have a little rest. So they say in my commentary. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now if you look in the Mark version, it's in Mark as well, it said that she kept asking him. It wasn't just she came and said, can you, you know, sort my daughter. She kept asking. She kept asking. She kept asking. And Jesus didn't say anything. It's a bit rude. Do you think? Strange. I'll read it to you. But he answered not a word. Yeah? That means he didn't say anything. And then his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. Um, so they wanted to get rid of her. This woman who's kind of crying out, Give me, sort my daughter out, help me. Let's get rid of her. She's causing a scene. We don't want a scene in our church meeting. We just want nice, quiet, quiet. Everyone's smiling. Then Jesus said, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So not only did Jesus not say a word, then the disciples trying to get rid of her, then he's saying, I didn't come for you anyway. You're a Gentile. You're not, you're not in my mission statement. I can't, I can't help you. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And surely, Jesus is going to do something now, isn't he? 
But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. It's kind of a bit rude, don't you think? I mean, Mark has got a bit of a teaching on this, so I need to be tread very carefully in what I say. So if you need to know all the ins and outs, um, see that. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. Great is your faith. I don't think he said that to anybody else. He didn't say great is your faith. He commended the centurion for his faith, but he was a Gentile as well. But great is your faith. From somewhere she's found this faith, hasn't she? She believes Jesus can help her and she's not backing down. Remember we used to say that, the fact that you may not have been in faith. I'm not backing down, I'm not giving up. Bulldog faith, wasn't it, Angie? You remember that? There's that sense. She made a pain of herself until she got her deliverance. Even when Jesus seemed to be fobbing her off and the disciples are sending her away, her persistent, persistence in faith and belief that he could do it. I just want to go back to actually to uh, something earlier because I, I forgot to read this, the second part of that story and it was, in, um, it was in Luke 11, wasn't it? I just wanted to reinforce that. Sorry, I got carried away. Luke 11 verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And there's a sense that it's ask and keep on asking. Uh, knock, and keep on knocking. Seek, and keep on seeking. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks you for bread, sorry, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's not necessarily saying that we are evil. He's just saying the difference between us and God is, is massive. And we, we know the right thing. If our son asks for a fish, we give him a fish. We don't give him a scorpion. How much more? How much more is God like that? Okay. You don't want to come and talk. I got Bob's problem now. Would you like to do it? Yeah, go. So when Roger was talking about this, there was just three things that struck me and I said, oh, there's a little bit of words. Well, you can say that, <laughs> which is fair enough, really. Um, so I was just thinking about this persistent faith and how for me, it's much easier um, when it's for someone else, isn't it? And I was thinking about the three people groups or the context of those things. So the first story, it's the man and the bread. Is that the first one? I can't remember which order you did for me now. But anyway, I'll do the man and the bread first. Um, I was just thinking how like, 
that man had somebody come to him, and in that instance, it was a physical need. He needed some physical bread, and it might be that we see that there are people around us that have a physical need that we want to help with, but we don't have the means. But there's one instance where we can come and persistently ask God to provide that. But what really struck me about that was that Jesus often talked about bread as being a spiritual food, didn't he? Um, and I, what, that's what really struck me about that. I thought, you know, so often we might look out in the world and see the needs of people, and I do this, and you think, God, how are you going to set that person free? They're in, su you know, I, they're in such a state. They just need you. I don't have anything that I can give that person to help them. Or there's these situations around me. How do I have anything? Or maybe they're even Christians that you want to help. How, I don't have anything. And I was just really struck by the fact that actually I can come to the Father and say, give me bread. Give me spiritual food for these people. Give me what you alone can give. I don't have it, but I can come and I can tenaciously ask you to give me what I need to give to these people. So that was one thing that struck me. And then... Um... <laughs> My brain's gone dead. Um, what was the other one? Not the woman, not the Syrophician woman. What was the other one? Finish, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my brain went to sleep. What was it? Go on, I'm going to test your memories because mine's clearly forgotten. What was his second story? Thank you, the unjust judge. Thank you, I'm glad you were listening. Clearly I was as well, but forgot. <laughs> Thank you, Cherie. Yeah, the unjust judge. And this is one, again, that I think, like, what the, what the Spirit said to me about this one was, like, we all have an adversary, we know, who comes to rob, kill and destroy. But actually, that's another thing that we can be really tenacious in approaching God about. Because we know that um, he, Satan doesn't have a hold on us, does he? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has accomplished. We are no longer... The curse has been broken, as we sang this morning. The curse has been broken. And therefore, if there are situations in our lives, it might be affecting us, it might be affecting people around us, where we know that actually what we're seeing is a result of what Satan, our adversary, is putting against us. Then again, we can come with a boldness and a confidence in what Jesus has promised, what God has promised, in approaching his throne to find that justice. Because as, as the parable said, he, he, we know that God is just. And it might take time. And I was just thinking like part of that context of that is almost about like waiting for Jesus to come again, isn't it? It's part of it. It's not all of it, but it's part of it. And it's really easy, isn't it, to pe for people to lose heart. But he said, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. So we might think, well, the enemy is having a field day. Like, yes, but let's not lose heart because we know um, who, who, who is coming back. We know who is coming back. And so if there are situations, and I know for me sometimes there are things that I think I need to pray about that, but what can give me that tenacity is the fact that I know it's an enemy that is seeking to rob and that is seeking to kill and that is seeking to destroy. And I know that Jesus said that he came to have life. So that was that one. And then the other one was... Thank you, the Canaanite woman. And I thought what, what struck me about this one was that she, was, she actually came and asked for mercy for her daughter. So what really struck me was about our families, and so often we, and it might not be a daughter, it might be a parent, it might be a sibling, but so often we have heartbreak or we have concern or we have our God's heart for, for members of our family, don't we? And this woman came and she had, I believe she had that tenacity because she saw how much 
her daughter was suffering. And it's like she wasn't coming for herself, but she was coming on behalf of someone else. And she was, she was appealing to God's mercy. She was appealing to the mercy of Jesus. She wasn't appealing to anything she had done or anything that her daughter had done to deserve it. She just came and appealed to the mercy of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. That's what she'd seen. She'd seen the mercy of Jesus. And that's what she came and appealed to. And I think, again, you know, when we see what on behalf of others when we see other people suffering and it's often in our families isn't it where we see things that aren't right i think again for me it really helped me to think about yeah i can lay hold of what god's promises are for members of my family to see that um the things that god wants to do um come to pass not because i deserve it not because i've been a good parent and therefore my children should be whatever not because they deserve it but because of his mercy because of his mercy. So I thought for, it just felt like for me, those three things just sort of helped me think about why I could have that boldness and that tenacity. I'm sorry for the bad for sharing. Mm. Thank you. Oops. Sounds quite hard, doesn't it? Is anyone feeling? That sounds too hard. I can't, I can't do that. That's, I can sort of believe a bit, but that sounds a bit hard. Anyone feel that? You don't have to tell because that would be... I feel a bit like that, thinking about it, yeah. But where does that tenacity, where does that spirit come from? It comes from him. It comes from him. He can work that in us. We won't find it in ourselves, really, will we? We're not necessarily that kind of, you know, I don't want to send you away thinking, oh my word, this is too, too hard. If we're willing, he can work that yeah. in our lives. Yeah. As we wait on him, that's the whole tenor of what we've been thinking about over the term. That, that it, it comes from Jesus, doesn't it? It comes from loving him and allowing him to work in our life. His nature. This is the nature of Jesus. Jesus is like this. And so as he's worked into our lives by his spirit, we will be like this. So it's not about human effort and self. That kind of thing. You know, because as I get older a bit, I realize I'm running out of. I need that to come from him. You know, he, I need to rise up on wings like eagle and soar and, and, and run and not grow weary. I'm, I'm, I made a real hash of that, but you know what I'm saying. I need to rise up on wing like eagle and run and not grow weary and not faint because of his spirit, because I've waited on the Lord. Yeah? So I'm not saying go home and gird yourself up and really get all your arms together and try and do it for a day or two. I'm just saying let's let him put in us that tenacious spirit that doesn't give in. That even when the flesh wants to give in, but there's something inside us that's saying, keep going, keep standing, keep being like Caleb. Yeah? Is that okay? Because going back to uh, what we're saying, in the kingdom, things don't just happen. Have you noticed that? If you just let things happen, they tend to go backwards. You know, we need to be part of things going forwards. Um, things in our lives because God wants to partner with us he doesn't just, just want it to happen of it, on its own so if we don't do anything maybe nothing will get done but as we partner with him and allow his spirit to work in us um, things can happen and we can see from Caleb and from the Syrophoenician woman who's a Canaanite woman and the two parables that we're able to see God's kingdom come in our lives in the lives of those around us, you know, the, uh, Jesus told us to pray, didn't he? Uh, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's 
That's, that's what we're about, isn't it? Really, if we're singing, take the world and give me Jesus, um, that's what we're about. We're about seeing his kingdom come in our lives and the lives of those around us. All this other thing about having to make loads of money and all that kind of stuff is not part of our lives. We can trust God to give us what we need. Okay, but we need to focus on seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and seeing these things happen. And this is part of it, this, this, um, this tenaciousness. Um, it's in each situation that I've talked about, we can see a belief, a faith in God's promise and a tenacity in asking and praying, even to the point of being a pain. But it's not a pain to God, because he wants us to be like that, doesn't he? We tend to either give up too easily, or not even start. As I've said, because it seems too hard. Let's not, even, let's not even do it. Let's go and have our lunch and not bother about what we said. But, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us change and become those people who pray according to his will and persist until the job is done. We need to make a nuisance of ourselves in the courts of heaven, don't we? It's what we're invited, encouraged to do. Okay. I'm just wondering, for you, what, how does this apply to your life? How does this apply? What are the things that you are wanting to see changed in your own life, in your family's life, in your neighborhood, in your city, at work? What are the things? And we need to start asking God, what are you saying about these things? What are you saying about, um, what are you saying about my family? It's interesting for us. Um, hmm. No, I'm not going to go there, sorry. But Oliver and I just started again last night, didn't we? We came and just thinking about um, my son and my daughter who are not uh, walking with God at the moment, I'm trying to begin to remember some of the things God has said about them um, and some of the promises that he's given about them and, and to start again to be more tenacious about seeing these happen. And we need to persevere in these things. So let me just give you a moment. Let's just be quiet for a moment and just think of one area where you're thinking that I need to be more tenacious. I want to see things happen. They won't just happen overnight, but where I need to persist and be patient, believing that God will do what he has promised. You might even want to note some promises down, some scriptures, but I'm just going to be quiet for a moment and let you, let the Spirit, Holy Spirit, just bring things to, to memory.
it's always hard to know how much time to give you, but this is something you can carry on when you get home. I don't want to leave time. But you might feel like that Canaanite lady. In the first instance, she heard nothing from God. Jesus said nothing. She heard nothing. You might be in a, in, in a situation where you've heard nothing on, these, on this area, these areas. What should you do? Keep going. Keep asking. You might feel that people or situations are actually pushing you away. Might even be Christians or whatever. They're pushing you away from, from what you're praying about. And they're pushing you saying, they're like the disciples did. What should you do in that situation? Keep praying. Keep asking. And then what you hear or what you read in the word initially might seem to, to be against what you're, you're after. You know, like Jesus said to her about the, the little, I don't give my bread to the little dogs. Um, you know, it might, you might think, well, the word doesn't seem to be helping me. Here. Keep reading, keep asking, keep praying, keep going. Because Jesus is looking for persistent faith that we believe Him and press on Him despite all the things that come against us, because things will come against you. And one of the things is time, isn't it? Like kind of, I think one of you said about time. Because in that, in that uh, reading about the unjust judge, it says, um, he will not delay, but we know there is a delay sometimes, but when he acts, he will act speedily. Okay, the action will be speedy, but it might not come straight away. I was pointed in my reading to Peter, where it talks about a day being a thousand years, and a thousand years being a day. It won't take a thousand years for your prayers to come back, because you haven't got that much time. But, you know, it, sometimes God's timing is different. But in the, in the gap, we need to keep standing, keep believing, keep Asking, keep pushing in. Because God is good. Yeah, we sung it. He will accomplish his purposes, his promises. For those who keep on believing and keep on standing. And it's time for us to stand again. It's time for us to stand again. It's time to take up those prayers you've perhaps put aside because you've not seen them answered or you think well I was like this two years ago, five years ago, twenty years ago but somehow it didn't happen and I've left them. It's time to pick up those things again. It's time to pray those prayers again. It's time to be asking again because if we're having to pray about it, it is impossible. But God does the impossible, doesn't he? He says that in his word. He does the impossible but only through our prayer, only through our standing firm, our perseverance. Yeah? So let me encourage you. Let's pick up those things again, those people we perhaps prayed for, those situations we perhaps prayed for, our town we perhaps prayed for, our neighbourhood we perhaps prayed for, uh, seeing miracles that we've prayed about, seeing healings that we've prayed about, all those things that we've perhaps let go Let's pick them up again. And if, if you're feeling well, there's nothing like that. Let's 
find out what we should be picking up. Because for all of us, there should be things that we are praying and standing firm about. Because Jesus said he wants all men, all women, all children, everywhere to pray and not lose heart. He wants us all to be praying. And not lose Therefore, if Jesus wants us to do it, it must be possible. Yeah, he's not going to ask stuff of us that we can't do. Okay, it's in the spirit. But it is possible to allow him to move through us to be these kind of people. <clears throat> We're going to go back and um, sing the promises. Yes and amen. And I want you to use this as a kind of response to some of what I've been saying or all of what I've been saying.